Hello and welcome to the eighth episode of the Rural Life podcast, the podcast where I talk to strangers about their life experiences. My name is Paul and I'm joined today by Elsie. Hello. So Elsie, tell us how old are you? Uh, I am 18. Ah, okay. Have you just turned 18 or? Uh, yeah, very, very recently. Okay, okay. And um, where are you from? Uh, I'm from around the Pittsburgh area in Pennsylvania. Oh, Pennsylvania? So, yeah. Nice. And do you live there currently or do you live somewhere else? Uh, I live there currently. And what's Pennsylvania like? Um, well, I mean, I would say it's pretty varied in terrain. You've got like the more middle areas, which are a lot of farmland. And then near the western northern sections, you've got a lot of forest and mountains. And uh, like that, that's almost uh, into the Appalachians there. So it's pretty diverse going from the western to the ah, eastern part of the state. It must be nice, you know, seeing the mountains, though. Yeah, it, it is really interesting, because, you know, you, I think about it all the time. Like, a lot of people, they don't really, like, for me, it's normal now. Like, you know, you see mountains everywhere, giant valleys, hills, and everything. And then, like, I, I've been to the UK before, and then there's none of that. Like, there, there's none of that in a lot of countries in the United States as well. I mean, it's, it's interesting. Something I'd always like to say, I would like to go to America and see like the great valleys these massive mountains i think it'd just be a really nice sight yeah yeah it really makes for some nice scenery i'll have to go <laughs> so uh what do you do for a living um well currently i'm still in uh, high school okay um i'm in my senior year and i don't have a consistent job because i don't really have the time to do that um yeah especially with my AP classes and everything, it's very, very hard. And I have some other things I do as well. So it's it's pretty hard to kind of get in a consistent job. I, I feel like that'd, be, that'd kind of be a nightmare. So I'm waiting until college until I actually settle down for an actual job. Okay, now that makes sense. How is, how is high school going now that you're 18? It's, uh, it's pretty good. Um, feeling pretty confident. What's the best thing that's ever happened to you? Uh, the best thing that's ever happened to me, that's, that's, uh, I gotta think of that for a second. Um, <laughs> you take your time, man. Yeah. So I would say the best thing that ever happened to me was probably being introduced to science uh, oh, at a really? young age. Um, that's, I, I suppose, the, originally, that's really what got me into technology, science, things like that. I mean, that's... I, I don't know what else to say about it except for, I mean, that's basically what has defined my life beyond that point, um, going towards uh, being interested in science, especially relating to space and things like that. So I feel like that also got me into computers as well with uh, now I I have a uh, unholy amount of money put into my, my uh, computer setup. <laughs> um, but yeah, and eventually that led to me also getting games that actually introduced me even more to those concepts. So quite happy with that. I'd say that's the most important thing. Hi, so how, did, how was you actually introduced into to science? Because I know you said, yeah, obviously you have a love for it and it's the yeah. best thing that's happened, but how did it begin? So I feel like um, my grandparents took me to the science center a lot and that probably helped a little bit um we went there a lot it was more like a it, every summer we go several times and uh, that, that was a thing but also i think the main thing is that um, a much younger age i was introduced to the science channel and i would often watch it for hours on end and that would introduce me to a lot of new concepts as well i feel and that's kind of where 
my uh, interest in science oh, originates. Okay, okay. And what are you helping to do? In, like, what are you helping to achieve scientifically? Is there, is there a goal for you that you want to get to? Uh, yeah. So I feel uh, I'm I'm going for NASA. It's a nice. it's a big goal, but it's uh I, I can make it there. Um, I I want to be an astrophysicist. It's uh pretty much physics and space, figuring out how things work. Um, stuff like that. that. That's really interesting. Like, how did you even, how do you even study for that? Like, what can you study that at school? Um, so they don't have any astrophysics uh, courses <laughs> in school, unfortunately, in high school. But um, when you go into college, so right now um, I'm in AP Physics 2. I'm going to be going into my next physics course next year, and I'm going to be going into even more advanced than my current AP Calc next year as well. So really all astrophysics is is really, really advanced math combined with things like, you know, you take 3D vectors, things like that. It gets really... Uh, it becomes a headache. I mean, um, if uh, 2D vectors weren't enough, <laughs> now 3D. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 basically just a lot of math. That's what it is. I mean, it, when it comes down to it, uh, you're gonna have to be in college for like seven yeah, years and yeah, do but, a lot of math. Hey, if you want to get to NASA, I'm sure it's gonna be worth it. Yeah, it, it definitely will be. So, so what is it, the idea of working for NASA that you like? Like, what do you like about NASA? Uh, well, I'd say it's about the best organization right now if I wanted to go into exploration. I know a lot of companies like uh, SpaceX I, I um, thought about um, joining, but for the most part, SpaceX, SpaceX do contracts for NASA, and NASA manage the missions. So although SpaceX may be flying NASA projects out into space, the projects and the science behind it happens at NASA. So that's why I want to go oh, into okay, NASA. Okay, that's, that's very good. But that's interesting about SpaceX, uh, like, giving out the programs. But I, I didn't yeah. realize that was in connection with NASA. So I, I don't know too much about NASA, to, yeah. to be honest. But I had no idea there was another program, like, leading to it. Would you rather be on the tech side of it, or would you like to... Or, or the physics side of it, would you like to go into space? Uh... I think at some point I'd like to go into space, and I think that'll be easily possible in the future um, with where things are heading with technology and overall, um, all these companies, including SpaceX, Boeing, they're all almost having their, their own miniature space race. It, I mean, it's hard to tell. You don't see it a lot now, but it's become it's going to become a lot more prevalent uh, very soon. And they're all competing for contracts with the major space agencies around the world, CNSA, NASA, um, uh, the European Space Agency, ESA, all of them are buying rockets from these companies. And uh, the, the, these, these races to try and become the main suppliers for these major organizations is, is a very big one. And eventually, they even want to become completely independent in recreational space travel and things like that. So I feel that's something I'd really like to experience in the future. But right now, it, going into NASA, I probably won't be going into the astronaut program. Um, I'll probably be on the ground. I really hope you get it. Working for NASA, that, that's a big goal. And I really hope that yeah. you put it. That's brilliant, man. Good luck. Best of luck to you, though. Thank you. What is the worst thing that's ever happened to you? Okay, the worst thing that's ever happened to me. 
Um, this is another one I have to think about. <laughs> uh, you take your time out. You try know. and block these things out, right? Yeah, you do, you do. But a lot of people, you know, they, they get a negative experience and they do get a positive from it. Worst thing that's ever happened to me. I haven't had any really major bad things happen to me. So it's probably more of a stupid thing, if anything. Um, I'd say the worst thing that's happened to me that has really just annoyed me uh, since I did it. But uh, in the in the fifth grade, um, this one girl was like, I, I was raising my hand and, 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 the, and the guy called on me, right? And, you know, and then this girl just shouts out the answer the second he calls on me. And I'm like, really? And then I, I uh, after class, I'm like, could, could you not? And then all of a sudden she accuses me of spitting on her, right? And then, of course, I, I did it. I did it, spit on her like that and then I, I i got pretty angry at that and then soon enough like this entire classroom t turns into a battleground where like people are picking sides and stuff it's fifth grade i mean <laughs> you know this happens and um eventually everyone gets so heated and i'm just sitting there and i'm just i just have my head down like i don't want to deal with this please help and i get pretty angry and of course as a fifth grader who you know probably shouldn't be going through this slightly mental trauma you know i i, I just I, I start to cry a bit you know like i'm i'm pretty upset and um the teacher takes me out and then they uh, and then the field trip was going to happen later in the day right and they told me i couldn't go on the field trip and they put me in the office right and they said I was too angry to go out into public. <laughs> they, they actually told me that. And they locked me in the office. I'm not even kidding. They locked me in the office and then they just send all the other kids, right? And then uh, turns out the field trip was ass and actually got lucky. And I got to have like recess with like the best teacher in the entire school. And she didn't care what people did. So, you know, actually it worked out. But still, uh, people still yeah. remember that. And that's kind of awkward. You could say. Yeah, I imagine it does sound a little bit awkward, but man, you'll you'll grow up. I mean, it's a good job that you're laughing at these things now. Like when yeah. you're older, man, you'll just laugh even more. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a good little story, but oh, that I can see how that one would be annoying. <laughs> Too angry to go out into public. I still find that funny. <laughs> like, okay. Right, so I I've got this wheel and I'll spin it. It's got a bunch of questions on, and I'll just All ask right. you what comes up. First one we have is what causes you stress in your life? That's a that's a good question, and I'd say it used to be it used to be people, other people, and I, I will say social interactions still cause me a lot of stress because what'll happen is people, especially passing remarks uh, with people who aren't my friends. What I'll tend to do is I'll freeze up, like somebody say hello to me, and then I'll freeze, and then I'll go to say hello back, and they'll be like thirty feet away. Um, that still is a problem for me because uh, I, I was very socially awkward, especially going into middle school. And it's really only now that I'm starting to get the hang of things, like uh, being a normal person. Sure. You had a bit of social anxiety. Yeah, I did. And what what kind of happened with that is um, a lot of people kind of thought it was funny when I didn't respond to them or responded strangely like people would come up to me randomly and sell, say hello and as like a kid I guess I just I just didn't um think that people were just saying hello to say hello and I'd say you know what do you need like uh what's up like and, and they'd be confused and they would think it's funny and they would like people would laugh at me and stuff for that and then I'd and then I'd get angry and you know it was a whole thing but I'd say that's behind me now because people grew up a bit and I was able to kind of 
slowly go into what I guess people would say normal social interaction. I still kind of freeze up on that though, and that causes me a bit of stress every once in a while. Um, but also, the main source of stress in my life has got to be schoolwork and the pressure behind it, because it's just really frustrating that this stuff, like people keep hammering it into your mind. This matters, and you know, I get below like an 80% on a homework assignment or something and you know I just made a mistake and then I get yelled at for it and it's like you know it feels like there's no room for error or even human error sometimes school is stressful especially like obviously when you have social anxiety but I mean we're we're two strangers now we're we're talking so it's all chill here man there's no stress yeah yeah for sure I I understand and it, it is a horrible thing what people have done to you when they just come up and say hello just for the fun of it just to see the reaction and not just to be nice yeah, that, that, that was actually, a, a, that's the best way to describe it. People would do that. Like, um, and th- that was just pretty awkward, especially. But also, I will say online and that, I actually learned social interaction differently and I'm fine here, which is strange. I feel like it, I don't know if it's a mental thing or something, but online, I find myself less socially awkward or anxious. I, I think I feel like I'm fine, so I'm not sure why that is the case. But overall, um, th- that's kind of how I feel about that. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I think it's because of you have a chance to escape. Because in a normal social situation, there's a constant back and forth. Or if someone's being horrible, it's, you know you've got to get away from that situation. Yeah. Where online, it's just a click of a button and you've gone safe yeah that's uh very true very true tell me about obviously the school stress like what what's the big deal with the school stress because school's rough i imagine it's all just clamping down on you is, is there a certain subject that's stressing you out or is the actual people there that's stressing you i think the people there don't stress me out as much anymore because i've been able to you know kind of regain myself in in that sense like uh i'm not i'm not socially awkward like i was that was really more of a middle school problem and that caused me a lot of internal struggle, I guess. But eventually I got over that, which I'm thankful for because I probably wouldn't be able to handle it now uh, with what's going on. But um, uh, with school, oh, my monitor's turned off. That's, <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> At start, I thought my computer turned <laughs> off. Okay. Um, yeah, but uh, with schoolwork, no specific subject really gets me. People have come up to me and I'm like, I showed them my schedule and they're like, are you trying to torture yourself? Like, I am taking probably the maximum um, someone could take. I'm not in like a math ahead or anything, but I'm taking like, you know, AP Calc, AP Physics 2, all the, all the very, very hard classes. Plus, you know, a, uh, I'm taking a uh, AP English as well. So it, it's all over the place with um, how much schoolwork I have and it really varies. But I would say the most stress comes out of um, expectations and uh when i you know come home with a bad score on something even if it was just a personal mistake that tends to be received very poorly and i feel like um in the current school system what a lot of um, parents and even some students don't understand is that getting a lower score is okay as long as you learn from it and i feel that isn't really accepted in the current school system and especially by a lot of people um and that frustrates me that frustrates me a lot because I'll, there's human error, okay? I can't be perfect, 
and when people expect you to be perfect that's yeah. definitely a big stress well th that's the thing as well with the stress of with the pressure of school and people's expe expectations it can be really overwhelming but yeah who is your most influential role model hmm most influential role model i would say um that <laughs> That's a good question. I have to think about that for a second. I would say I don't have a very specific role model. Like, I'm thinking about it a lot, and I just don't feel I have a really quite specific one. I have a few, like, people who definitely are inspiring, but I don't have anybody specific who is really, um, I suppose, a role model. Um, like, people like Neil deGrasse Tyson or uh, Carl Sagan, they're uh, very interesting people, and they gave a lot to the scientific community and they're definitely people I would say I look up to but I wouldn't say I have one specific person who's okay. a, a role model you like have that. a you have a variety of people that inspire you yeah rather than a single okay okay Neil deGrasse Tyson I've I haven't heard of the other dude but Neil deGrasse Tyson I've heard of him I've watched a few of his videos I, I like that you can learn but also he's got that funny side to him yeah do you resent the way you was raised no, I don't. I would say I'm pretty happy with how I was uh, raised. And um, I, my parents, they pretty much did their absolute best not to show any religious bias on me or any, um, uh, what is it, uh, political bias. So they basically didn't teach me to like a certain party, a political party, which is very common in America. Um, to like raise your kid as a Republican or a Democrat, especially Republicans, they'll go like what they'll do is they'll like raise their kid like full on Christian and Republican, and that's very very common. Um, but my parents did none of that. Like it was, it, it's all unbiased. Oh, so your parents probably sound like sound like chill, chilled back and not forcing anything on you. Yeah, yeah, they don't force any like social opinions on me. I suppose. It's the best that's, way to that's put really it. That's really cool. Like, I, I, I do respect parents like that. I find it weird when people bring up kids and, like, they force them to, like, like stuff, even if they don't like it or they don't have an interest in it. Mm -hmm. Especially if, obviously, you, like, choose side with politics. Definitely. Politics, making your kids, like, assert, like, raising them to be a certain political party is, like, I guess normal parenting here. I'm not sure if it is in Europe, but, um, here, definitely. Like, it's, it's bizarre. See, I don't know because it may happen over here, but the way I was raised, like, we never really talked about politics that much. And I know politics is a big thing over here, but it's, it's never it's never even been a big interest of mine as well. And I think because my parents grew up not really or talking to me about it, I think that's why it's sort of just gone over my head. Yeah. Is there a quote you live by? A quote I live by? Um... I mean, you're only 18, mm. so... <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure I think... I, I don't think I have a specific quote I live by. Um, the quote can just be NASA. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> right, so now your quote for life now, OC, is just NASA. <laughs> yes, yes, that's that's my quote for life. <laughs> right, so we'll go for the next one. What's your biggest regret in life? Okay, um, hmm. I would say my biggest regret was closing myself off at an early age, um, socially, because that's what kind of caused the whole social anxiety 
problem in the first place. Me just not wanting to talk to people a lot or just kind of, you know, making that choice, right? And eventually that led to me kind of acting weird. So I would say that would be my biggest regret in life. I understand that you closed people off, but wasn't people being horrible to you? After I closed them off. (laughs) Uh, But at an early age where I didn't understand what I was doing um, as well as I do now. Because, like, at an earlier age, I would just kind of be awkward and not talk to people very much uh, because I I didn't want to. And eventually that led to me not learning the social skills that I would need later on, and that kind of caused a problem. Cutting people off. It's a a tough, touchy subject because you want to be social with people, but then... I don't know about you, but I'm also a person that likes my own space. I, I very much do, yeah. Yeah, where... And some people maybe find it rude when you just... Say if you don't get back to them in a message, or you just don't hang around with them for a while. Some people find that offensive when really it's just, hey, we're still cool, but I just need space. How do you feel about going out and out in public with a social anxiety? Um, Is I it mean, better it, now? It's, um... I mean, I a lot of people already know. I mean, it's pretty obvious I did, and it's pretty obvious that I had it. Um, I, I mean, it's it, it's better now. Uh, fortunately, going into uh, going into high school, I kind of fixed that problem um, the best I could, and now I'm not really in that position anymore. People don't really come up to me anymore and do that stuff, or uh, like purposely try to harass with me. Um, unfortunately, I. No other kids are harassed still in high school, um, but I luckily was never a target going in, so I guess I was spared, um, I suppose, uh, going in for, going from middle school. Um, okay. But yeah, I'm, okay, I, I'm totally good now with that. Still working on social skills, though. Like, I'll still freeze up when people say hello to me, and I'll accidentally, you know, like, not say anything, and I, and I feel kind of bad about that because I feel like I'm being rude. Um, but that's yeah. that's well, about it. I mean, it, it all comes with practice. At the end of the day, the more people you talk to, the more socially you'll be. That's the yeah. way I find it. Do you hold any grudges against anyone? Hmm. So grudges. I feel like I do hold some grudges against the people who initially tormented me back in my middle school years. Uh, they don't anymore. In fact, I haven't seen some of them in over a year somehow. I think we're in the same school. I don't know what happened to them, but I'm pretty sure they're all in the stupid classes now. <laughs> I'm going to be completely honest. They all dropped out of the like the honor. Like being in an honors class in middle school was like being the cool kids, right? But then like AP classes in high school is actually like you want you want to actually go into something where you'll need this. Otherwise, you're basically just wasting hours of your life doing way more homework and way more work. So, a lot of those people are pretty much idiots and their uh, classes align with that. I mean, they're the type of kids who take the cooking classes because they're easy, and, and there's a lot of them. So, yeah, um, I, I don't really bother them. I don't do anything like that, but I still would say I haven't really forgiven them for like putting me through that. Fortunately, they don't bother me anymore, though. I rarely ever see them. Oh, yeah, well, it's, I understand that because it's hard to forgive someone who's tormented you. Yeah. And when they do that, like, I don't know about you, but when someone torments you, you just think, oh, 
I, I help you have the worst fucking thing ever. <laughs> yeah, uh, pretty much. It, it depends how much you hold the grudge. I mean, it depends on the person. Maybe maybe the grudge will go away. Maybe it'll just stay until you see him again. <laughs> I'll probably forget. I mean, honestly, most of them I'll probably never see again after high school. And um, even if I do, I'm not going to care. I'm not that type of person who's going to like you know see them at some high school reunion and be like uh yes i hate you <laughs> i mean <laughs> uh, it's more of a silent grudge than anything and it's not one that really just like i'm super passionate about keeping it's really just one that's kind of there i mean i'm not i don't think i'm going to forget just you know forget that they kind of messed with me uh so really that, that's really it. I mean. Okay. Well, I mean, when you when you get into NASA, yeah. send them a postcard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, tell me about a special person in your life. Hmm. I would say uh, a special person in my life would be my friend uh, Michael, and he has been a pretty cool guy for a lot of my life. Uh, I met him back in sixth grade, and ever since, you know, I eventually became part of his uh, kind of group, I suppose, and we, we play a lot of video games together, even if we're not in classes anymore as much as we used to be. Um, we still take some of the same AP classes and stuff, and he goes to the tech school now, so he's not even in the same school as me half the day. Um, like half the day he's at the high school doing like math and English and all the core subjects and then he goes to tech school for programming so um that's what he does but he's basically been my best friend since that age and ever since you know I've had a group of friends to at least I, I pretty much had that entire time which I feel I'm very lucky for especially with the pandemic and everything going on it's it's really nice that we're, we're all kind of online and everything we play video games, stuff like that. You know, it's uh, it's really just a fun group. And even going into college, we're not really going to separate because you know we're all still online. I mean, some uh, a lot of them I haven't even met um, in real life because a lot of the group is like my friend, uh, my friend Michael's cousin, and then his friends at that school. So it's um, a lot of great people that I've met because of him, and I feel you know he's a pretty special person. It's always nice when obviously you have that instant connection with somebody yeah and it's just like okay man this this dude's cool <laughs> how did how did you actually meet michael then like what was the first interaction i initially met him because he was in my sixth grade homeroom and i didn't really get to know him until later in the sixth grade i actually don't have a very good memory of how i eventually joined the um uh, discord and everything with his friends and everything like i don't exactly remember but um I mean, overall, I feel like we just, I think we talked at lunch and stuff like that in sixth grade, eventually got to know each other, and I think at one point, um, we decided to play Minecraft or something together, I don't know, um, but yeah, so eventually it kind of turned into a, uh, friendship. Nice. It blossomed nicely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice, man, nice. What games have you been playing then recently? Um... A good few. Um, I've been playing a bunch of VR games like Beat Saber or VR Chat every once in a while. Um, I've been playing uh, Minecraft with my friends, uh, with Michael and so on. And 
that's about it. Um, I've been playing other games on and off, like Civ Five and stuff like that. But yeah, it's really just been um, all over the place. I mean, right now it's pretty crazy. I don't have like a main game I play. I yeah. suppose. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Nice. Nice. How do you find um, VR chat with your social anxiety? Um, I'll say I uh, I know a lot of people in VR chat have their um, you, you know they have their friend groups and things like that. They do that, but I don't really have anyone like that. So I walk around it, and I don't know what I really do. Um, I don't talk to a lot of people though. I know a lot of people like have said that it has changed their life and stuff like to help with their social anxiety, and um, I think that's very very interesting. Although I will say that I haven't really played it for long enough or had any friends on it, like uh, other people have said, you know, and had, that it hasn't really affected my life that much when it comes to that. Okay, okay. It's, I mean, me personally, I think it's a fantastic game. It's brilliant. It's, it's very, it's very cool. It's, it's definitely um, a, a big milestone in VR and VR technology. Yeah, because it's just interesting that you can connect now with anybody over the world and like they have an avatar and you can just talk to that person and the thing that i find strange is for me especially obviously when you're meeting new people it feels more normal for me to talk to someone over like vr chat than it does meeting them in real life yeah because i feel with real life almost um it feels inappropriate to talk about things straight away like you feel like you're obligated to introduce yourself in some way or something of the sort and then you know eventually get to talking about things but it feels like in online overall you can go into a voice chat with somebody or talk to somebody and be a lot more open without having that i guess pressure and obligation that um i guess meeting somebody in real life would have that, that's a good way to sum it up what bridges are you happy that you've burned hmm. yeah that's a that's a good <laughs> question so um i'd say probably soccer um i mean I, I don't do soccer anymore and i didn't really enjoy it as a kid that much like i i, I did enjoy it when i was like a little kid right and then I was kind of pressured a little bit to keep going with it and that and that makes sense too my parents wanted me to have something that's like you know activity something to do outside of school other than play video games like a mindless zombie which is what they say <laughs> happens to you like you know it's it's the normal parent things right like play soccer instead of playing video games um but i i, I dropped it because i really didn't want to do that um and I, i'm pretty happy with that and i'd say the other one is also banned because dropping band eventually, because um, uh, like in eighth grade, uh, you know, you have the normal band and everything. And then when you go into not into ninth grade, into high school, um, we have marching band and you have to be in marching band to do the other bands as well. And marching band is basically a full time commitment of like your evenings. Um, you're basically signing away like five to seven every single night. And uh, it's it's a big commitment because they practice a lot like ridiculous amounts um so that would be giving away a lot of my time and especially with things like school on top of that i felt that that would stress me out a lot and i wouldn't have time to do things i would like to do so um with uh, marching band i did like half of band camp and kind of dropped out of it and i'm very happy i did because eventually i did find something outside of school that i wanted to do which was martial arts so 
um, if I, if I had stayed with marching band, I would have never done martial arts, and I feel that would have been something that it, I don't even know how my life would be without it. Like, it's uh, a, a decision that was. It felt small. It felt like one that was just me trying to get out of band because I didn't really want to do marching band that much, and you know I just wanted to have more free time. But eventually, it led to something a lot bigger. Hey, that's really good that you found something you love as well by leaving something else, especially mm-hmm. martial arts. What martial arts is it that you do? So when I went looking for it, I wanted to do sword, and that sounds stupid. Like you want to <laughs> take a katana or whatever, and you yeah. know, I wanted to do that. Um, and eventually, one of my, um, I think he's uh, my uncle. Uh, he uh, does. He he has like his own martial arts club, and it's not technically like a dojo, right? Because the dojos, they they're paid, and you, and unfortunately, I I, I um you I kind of have to say this, but a lot of most of the modern dojos are paid to win. I mean. It's a sad fact, but um, a lot of the organizations, the dojos, I mean, you pay for your belts, like each belt test, you just pay for it. You do a belt test every three months. They're practically belt factories. And they're like the meaning of the belt is to signify somebody's skill, right? It's, It's not to signify how long they've been doing it. But really, if if you look at people's belts nowadays, if you say, look at a green belt, right? That's how I know you've been doing it for nine months. They they basically consistently test every three months, no matter if they're ready or not. And you'll see like 12 year olds with black belts that can't even do techniques properly. Oh, um, really? And so, it's, a, it's a sad fact, but the black belt and the belts have lost their meaning in a way. Saying it like that, it does seem like the belts have no meaning anymore. And it takes away that sense of achievement, what you're supposed to get from martial arts. Yeah. Now, bring that to mind when I went into my uncle's, uh, I guess, club. The club works a lot differently than a dojo ever will, and he used to actually own a dojo in a major organization in our city, but he stopped because he didn't really like how the system worked. And the club, if you earn belts, like, it's not pay. You don't pay. Like, he will not test you for two years if you're not ready, right? He will wait and he, he he tries to keep the meaning in the belts but at this point i don't care what belt i am i care about my skill and i care about uh improving off of what i have been before right that's that's the whole meaning behind it because a lot of people mistake it for oh i want to be a black belt like that's my goal right being a black belt doesn't mean anything anybody can put on a black belt if you want to put on a black belt just go buy a black belt <laughs> I mean, if you can do that, um, you have to be skilled behind it. That's that's really what you get out of it. Um, for example, I went to a tournament last year before the coronavirus. It was in, I think, like November, something like that. And um, I was, it, it was the sword. Um, I was doing sword. Both me and my friend who are both in, um, my friend Brian, who are both in the same club, right i invited him and i thought he'd like it too so we were both going up against um these two guys who were green belts right in, in the uh nakf system which is like what what, what there's what, what the um whole uh martial arts uh 
organization is called. So they, they were part of that organization, right? So we already knew, okay, they've been doing this for nine months. Well, little did they know that since I was new to martial arts, um, I actually wasn't ranked up for a long time. Going into that tournament, I had 10 months of experience. I had more experience than those two green belts ever had, and I was the rank of white belt. I had not ranked up once. And I did my forms, and they didn't really stand a chance. And although I was doing lower level forms, their forms were just sloppy. I, I, I don't mean to like kind of be rude to them or anything like that, but they were not trained enough. They did not have the level to even be green belts yet or be doing those forms. And that that's where I feel a lot of the modern, I guess, martial arts, that, that it's a big issue is people are ranking up way too fast. And at this point, you can just pay to get up there. And it's, it, I find that kind of sad almost. Not that that does sound sad because the thing is, I mean, I don't know too much about martial arts, but the meaning of the belt, belt is supposed to show progress to each stage, I believe. And a yes. new set of a new set of skills learned. Yes. But now that belt is just being given away or what it, it takes out the meaning of it. It definitely does. And people will be learning skills that are realistically, if you look at them, above their level. And they don't learn them correctly. It's kind of like building a foundation that is not sturdy okay you teach people the basic skills in the beginning ranks and if you fly them through these beginning rank these beginner ranks too fast when they get to ranks like red belt or even black belt their advanced techniques are going to be sloppy because all their advanced techniques really are are a combination of the basic ones that's what martial arts is so i i don't care if you can do the longest form there is if you can do it but if your technique is sloppy it doesn't matter it's useless so that, that that that's how i feel about it okay okay well it's obviously you sound very very passionate about your martial arts how long have you actually been doing it for i've been doing it for two years now um over two years i guess it'd be yeah. two uh, almost three i guess three i'd be doing it for three once december hits um and I'm, I'm really happy with it, and it's something that I've liked to do, and yeah. Nice. Have you still been uh, practicing? So I imagine you can't go to uh, practice, obviously, with Corona, when the Corona hit. But how, um, so how, how did you practice? So yeah, I, I still practice. Now, actually, we have been doing it. We did stop for like two months when the Corona hit, but eventually our state started going into um, like the... Uh, trying to like reopen and as you know for america that didn't go too well um if you oh, haven't heard I've on heard. the news but um we did go back and uh we we did stay back and we had a lot of precautions like we took the temperature on the mats um we didn't uh we, we tried to social distance as much as we could um we hand sanitized constantly and like everything everything we could possibly do if anybody went anywhere other than like their own home like maybe on a vacation or something they had to get tested and our club is pretty small it's like 10 15 people so it's more manageable than something like a full-scale dojo so we have been uh, like still going um unfortunately we did have to stop for two weeks and that's like kind of the period we're in right now because one person uh who actually they got their exposure 
Um, they figured it out before they went back to the club, but they did get the virus, meaning we, we are going to stop for two weeks just in case, but it looks like nobody has it other than them, so it's a okay. isolated. I'm really glad that you found like a new skill that you're passionate about and you absolutely love. I'm just sorry about the belts not having as much meaning now as they did. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I would just say that's why, like, people... Uh, what, what disappoints me more is the fact that sure you, you can take the meaning out of the belts but the meaning in martial arts still you can't take that away and people who are in these dojos are sometimes misled that the belt is really what their goal is it's not and i feel that sometimes that's just frustrating to think about that you know uh, what, what are you gonna do I mean, not much you can do. At least you know what goal you want now, so at least your mind's quite straight and you understand what's happening. Yeah. If you could ask a single person one question and they had to answer truthfully, who and what would you ask? Ooh, ooh, that's a <laughs> that's a fun um, thought experiment. I feel like th there's plenty of good um, ones I could give, but I have to think about it for a second. It's a tricky one, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Like you, you, you think you would think you'd have an answer straight away, yeah. um, but I don't. I think probably um, if I if I could uh, ask anyone a question, I'd probably ask my great great grandfather uh, what 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 his uh, time in the war was like because I never really got to. I I'm I was I like met him as a kid, I guess, like as a very very young kid, like two years old, three years old, something like that, like maybe four at the when he I went I think I was like four or five when he died so I never really got to ask him anything about uh, his experiences he was a uh, he uh, served in one of the uh, flying fortresses uh, he was a tail gunner which was the probably it was the most dangerous job in the flying fortresses because of course uh, these bombers usually get attacked from behind so the tail gunners have like a 50% mortality rate at least I'm pretty sure, like, your chances of coming home were not great. Um, but yeah, he, I'm, I'm pretty sure he got shot down um, over France, and eventually he uh, had to make his way back to Britain by uh, the, with the French underground resistance, which was really interesting hearing that, but I never really got to ask him anything about it, so I'm, I'm pretty disappointed about that. But if I could ask anyone a question, that probably would be it. There'd be some interesting stories there, especially obviously when he's with the French resistance as well. Yeah. Like, getting shot down in a plane, man, I can't imagine what that experience is like. Yeah, I know. It must be terrifying, absolutely yeah. terrifying. Is there anything that you can find? Like, is there any information online you can find about your great-great-granddad? Um, well, the only information we really have is from the old family books and everything, and I was, you know, I've, I've heard the stories at least, but um like for like people telling me you know it was uh, about like what happened but i really haven't been able to find any actual accounts of like you know specifics right like you know he, he got shot down and everything but i'd really like to hear the full story like that's what i'd like to hear and unfortunately i've never really gotten to hear it which is you know kind of sucks yeah it, it is a shame but at least you got some stories from it so at least you do yeah. have bits and bobs. It's just, ah, uh, it's just a shame when you wanted a little bit, you want a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When did you feel most vulnerable? Hmm. Um, I I would say, in general, I I feel that way the most part when I'm in 
large groups of people or crowds um that's when i feel the most vulnerable i will say in school i don't really feel that anymore because i know most of the people in it right but especially in large crowds of people i don't know i get anxious sometimes and not in like city like if you're walking around in city street no I mean more so if I'm at some sort of party or something like that where I'm expected to do something or in situations like that, like social situations where I'm expected to do something, that's probably when I feel the okay, most. Okay, okay. It's just where uh, people whatever. obviously expect things of you. And the pressure, yeah, pressure social, comes up socially. socially. Yeah. Man, be- being social is a big pressure and it's so exhausting as well. I know. What do you do to unwind after school? Um... What I typically do, um, probably I'll lay down for at least 10 or 20 minutes, watch YouTube or something, listen to music, stuff like that, and then I'll probably go to playing video games or I'll work on homework, which uh, unfortunately that isn't really a great unwinding activity, but I have to do it, so there's not really much of a choice. But you know, that's that's really what kind of happens, but overall I'd say that's pretty much all I do. What do you take for granted? Um... I, I would say I take um, technology for granted a lot, um, although I, it's just crazy how far it is at this point. It's, but yeah, I, I'd say that's probably what I take for granted the most, um, technology, and uh, also just o- overall that kind of stuff, like how far tech has come. It, it's crazy yeah. how quick it's actually evolved, isn't it? Yeah. It's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I think it was maybe 23 years ago where the PlayStation 1 come out mm-hmm. and now you have PlayStation 5 and it's just now RTX you have 390 yeah it's <laughs> it's crazy how quick it's actually evolved it is it's very exciting with uh technology and everything and it's scary too it's it's, it's very it's scary so scary <laughs> like uh, I, I'm excited to what's going to happen in VR because it's only been a thing for what maybe has it been three or four years maybe uh, it's been a thing since, like, technically the first VR headset ever came out in, um, I think it was, like, the 1990s. Um, but really? that was terrible. It was terrible, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, that that was pretty trash. Um, but the first VR headsets that hit the entertainment industry and were available to the uh, widely to the public were the Oculus. And I believe the Oculus was... 2012 or 2013 that was the first headset that was really available to the public i had no idea it was that early yeah the last question i ask everybody that's on this show i think i have an idea what your answer is going to be but what is your end goal in life um i i guess my end goal in life is to make a difference i guess or do something um probably discover things and learn a bit more about the universe before i i have to go i mean that's why i like science so much because we really don't know how the universe works we don't understand it um like you can you can ask any scientist astrophysicist anybody it you can ask them you know it do, do they really know that the big bang is what created the universe they think it they think it did but do they know they don't um and there, there's so many things we don't know and it's it's crazy and uh it's another thing with science is the fact that we often we, we take our new scientific findings and we present them as fact but a lot of the time scientists really really don't know and what we'll often be doing is change change what we think about the universe constantly 
and I mean, we might learn we're going to learn a lot of new things about the universe next year most likely because you know with the james webb telescope even that is going to teach us a lot more about because it, it, it's like the hubble on steroids that thing it's going to go into orbit around the sun and it's going to be able to see the whole way to around 300 million years after the universe was created and that's crazy because of how light travels um it will actually be able to see light from that long ago which is amazing how does, how does something even like that work how can you see that light from that long ago so um w when it comes down to seeing things in space because things are so far apart if you look at a star or something else if you take the amount of light years that it is away from earth the reason they use light years is because they're taking the, how long it takes the light to reach us so if something is 55 light years away technically when you're looking at that star that is that star 55 years in the past for example the sun is seven light seconds away so th the light from the sun actually takes seven seconds to get to us so when you look at the sun every day it is seven seconds in the past that you are seeing it and that's why if you look at the stars maybe even if you Take a look at a galaxy, right? Because you can see some galaxies with your eye, like the Andromeda galaxy, especially in darker areas. If, if you take a look at it, um, you're seeing light from a very, very far distance away. And if you take something like a telescope and you put it into orbit, um, you lose all that atmospheric distortion, first of all. And then they have special optics that allow it to capture the smallest bits of light right so it can capture the most possible photons to make the clearest image and that's how they capture light from so far away so eventually you know you're getting to the point where you're going farther and farther back in time and we are getting far back there um it's impressive uh, if the james Tele webb telescope uh successfully reaches orbit of the sun and is completely operational it's going to show us things we might not have expected about the universe, which is amazing. Damn, I never, I, I've never even heard that it's like this telescope. Yeah, I know. A lot of people don't know about it, and that's what I think is uh, interesting. Like, you know, everyone knows about the Hubble, right? Because of how, how many images it's taken. I mean, you can look it up, and you get some of the some of the most famous um, astrophotography images ever. Yeah. And that they all come from the Hubble, but this telescope is going to make the Hubble look like a recreational telescope. I mean, it, a, a lot of people haven't heard of it, but it's been, they've been building it since like 2012. It's been in construction for a long time and it's probably gonna become a big deal um, once it comes close to launch date. It's probably gonna be all over the place on um, social media, the news, everything. How, you know, rocket launches go. Like the first one that was launched from, I think it was, there was, uh, uh, a launch from Cape Canaveral yes. wasn't there very recently and that was a big deal in the United States because it was our first launch from the United States in a long time and we actually hired SpaceX to make that rocket like we we uh, contracted them to make the rocket so off of what I was saying earlier you know we, we, we send our NASA sends their astronauts up there with the experience they, they design the experiments and everything but SpaceX makes the rocket and very cool stuff like we used to actually um, pay the Russians to send really? our astronauts up. We, uh, they would go up in the Soyuz rockets. Yeah. Ah, I never knew that. So, and I said that was the last question, but now I'm I'm curious. 
what what do you think would happen to the planet if we actually found out 100% that okay this is how the universe was created i honestly um i mean that that'd be a pretty big thing socially but i think a, a lot of the religious population i mean there's actually a surprisingly small percentage of atheists in the world um and a lot of these people i mean they are we already have a somewhat cool a decent and pretty cool idea of how the universe was created and even if we positively have scientific evidence that this happened right i feel like a majority of that religious population would not really acknowledge it um i feel like a lot wouldn't change um it would definitely lead us to a lot of scientific discoveries um in quantum mechanics things like that we might be able to figure out forms of space travel that we would never imagine now uh, things even going on to light speed or even beyond light speed which people have uh, looked into the math of that with the abacular drive and things like that like people are actually looking into warp drive which is uh, quite interesting as well like literally warping space time and that that stuff is beyond me even thinking about that but um that's yeah crazy. so like, that, that's what i think actually, like warp time that would be insane mm-hmm. I'll ask you a quick question then. I know it was the last one, sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> it's just, man, it's really interesting. So, maybe maybe it's obviously to do, it is to do with space, I'd say. So, do you ever think we'd actually get to a point where time travel is genuinely possible? Where we'll learn that much, we'll be like, okay, I want to go to this date. Well, um, talking about time travel in general, it's, it's very, very strange. I mean, how space and time work, um, I kind of understand very basic um, concepts and things like that. But we technically, if you think of have you ever seen the movie Interstellar? Oh man, that film. That black hole scene, that black hole scene, theoretically with our current math, that's actually possible. Really? So that, I get, I, you can consider that actual factual math. Um, according to Einstein's theories, actually, um, about space-time and so on. So, time travel, as we can tell, only things like black holes have really, we've really observed, have been able to cause such ripples in space-time and such, I guess, they they basically bend it. It, It's super weird. Like, you'll see all those, um, diagrams of black holes, how it almost, like, caves in on itself, right? And, um, it's, I mean, I guess that's the only way we think time travel, but I guess you could consider that time travel. Um, but right now, we really don't have an idea of how time travel else would be possible. Now, manipulation of space-time, that's where we might actually be able to. Um, I think personally that um, we might be able to travel into kind of the, the speed, speed time up, I guess, moving space-time like a black hole would. <laughs> I don't even know the correct terminology. I'm probably saying this really wrong, but um, you know, I, I feel like that that is feasible. Maybe in the future, when we're able to generate such massive amounts of energy, that we're able to do that, like maybe, like I don't know, building Dyson spe- uh, Dyson swarms or spheres around an entire all the stars in an entire galaxy just to do that. Or so. I don't know. I mean, there, there's all kind of weird things you can do, but um. I feel like that's feasible, yes. But going into the past, now that's something that is 
really, uh, I don't know how that would be done, and I don't think anybody really knows how that would be done. But um, it's like I've always, yeah, it's, it's I've a very like interesting the idea of like time travel. But it's just imagine. I know before it's been like it has been possible where the Concord. Uh, where you can get from one place to another and yeah. you arrive earlier at that location so technically you've, you've done a bit of, technically it's like, it's like time travel but it's it's interesting how much science has actually come this far and I, I had no idea about that telescope so I definitely want to check that out thank you again to the audience for listening to the Raw Life podcast it's been great having Elsie on here we've learned so much about the social anxiety we've learned about space we've learned about like this massive this telescope that I had no idea existed which I really want to check I just want to say it's actually been fantastic having you on. All right, thank you. No problem. And we'll see you all for the next episode.